This is the, the greatest thing today, as I get to introduce to my friend, uh, Hugh Halter. Hugh uh, is one of the folks, I will say this, in the, we've known each other 10 years, and as we uh, started and launched Austin New Church, uh, Hugh was somebody that I was handed a book called The Tangible Kingdom, and they said, you need to read this book. And as soon as I read it, I'm like, that, that's, that's the that's, worst stuff I've ever that's heard. That's the worst stuff I've ever heard. Yeah. But it was so compelling that we jumped on an airplane and came to visit you. Yep. And we've been fast friends ever since. Hugh's done more to shape this community uh, than, than just about anybody from afar. Uh, but every time he's in town, he called me about six weeks ago and said, hey, I'm going to be in Austin uh, first part of middle of January. I'm like, dude, that's great. You can spend the night with me, but also you have to teach on Sunday morning. So yeah, here we are. Uh, here, here we, we are. are. So thanks for being here, Hugh. Do we? Tell us what's Do hug? we? Do we no. hug? Elbow bump. We're doing that. All right. Thank you. One of these. Good. Watch out. Good morning, ANC. Had some fan. Thank you, Jason. I love that hat. I, this is the first time ever I've preached with a hat on. And that's in respect of you. I actually. I don't like this video thing at all. I like, I'm a hugger. I need people. Uh, but watching you last week to try to get ready for this, I just, not only were the words you said amazing, but the hat was a fantastic. I love the way it pairs with the cleric collar thing, a majigger thing. So anyway, so we're going to go with it today. And this is all you see if it's not there. So we're just going to keep going. Trey, thanks for the, the man time this morning. Always love that we talked about um, arthritis. We uh, earlier on we were talking a little bit about bowel movement, and then you informed me that um, as you just turned 54, those of you that have not sent a present happened yesterday. But uh, we're you told me today we're one year away from being able to go into the retirement centers here. It's amazing, like the what's happened over our story, our collective story, um, as Trey said. Um, I have been and had the privilege, privilege of kind of being a part of ANC over the years. Uh, we had planted a church in Denver about the time you guys were getting started. And, uh, you know, it's just kind of funny when you think about churches, it's, um, we all have a story. It's almost like we're just a person. And the story of a church, uh, I remember the early days of ANC, even fitting your name, Austin New Church, and all the, the cool stuff, the, the methodology, the heart for the city, and uh, and then there's the maturing process, and along the way there's these little plot twists. Um, and you guys took some turns that other churches don't take, and uh, it's been a big deal to a lot of folks that could not find their way in church before this. Um, but along the way, you know, there's uh, not just the maturing, but there are villains that arise and heroes that step up, and um, and that becomes a story of a church, and we never know how long we're going to be there, what impact we're going to make, but um, I don't know if, if you are feeling like I'm feeling, but I've, I've never seen the amount of loss happen uh, in our world as we have the last, you know, 12 months or so, um, and you think about plot twists, like there's, none of us could have seen any of this happening, and I don't know if we recognize how much the continual loss has affected the church, and um, I, I do get a chance to get around the globe a little bit and talk to leaders and church leaders and normal folk, and it seems like the consistent thing I've heard um, has been a lot of just like I'm struggling to just move, and oftentimes when there's incredible loss, the thing that really stops is movement, and we're going to talk a little bit today about 
the nature of the church is that we always go. The, the biggest New Testament word is the word go. It's just like if we don't go and just keep moving forward, um, a lot of really beautiful things happen or stop happening in the world. So we're going to do a little, uh, I'll ask the peanut gallery to give if I don't come up with the stuff, but I want to do a little litany of loss, losses that we've had. Again, just like who could, if, see if you can remember where you were when you started or maybe the first time that you went, oh, crap, like this is real. Um, if, if it's me, I'm thinking through the very first time we heard something might be coming out of a little province in this other part of the world. They talked about a cruise ship on the coast of uh, Long Beach. Remember that where all these people are stuck on the boat? And I remember hearing that story going, ah, oh, that's too bad for them, you know? And, uh, and I thought, well, at least it's a cruise ship, so it shouldn't be too bad. And then people start dying on the boat, and you go, oh, wow. Uh, and then we start hearing of, um, remember when they said they, they were going to cancel part of the NCAA tournament? Like that, like, that got real. And then they said they were going to postpone or cancel the Masters. And I remember getting up from my couch position and going in to tell my wife, Cheryl, they canceled the Masters, Oh, you know what? And, uh, and then off we go. And then in the middle of all that, um, you know, the, the racial reckoning in our country and then the political stuff, it's been like the triple Lindy of, uh, of loss. But I think about the social, just think, these are big categories, but think about the social loss that we have felt, um, our ability to connect. I mean, we moved to Austin, right? You moved to Austin to hang out with people and to do the foodie thing and to just enjoy it. I don't think we recognize how important we are to each other, even if you're an introvert like me. I don't, I don't generally even like humans. But I love going out for dinner with friends, and it's maybe the best part of the week, isn't it, when you can finally like just meet some people over a little two-hour dinner, um, and all of a sudden we can't do that. When we moved to Alton, Illinois, we started a foodie joint. We started a kind of an all-day brunch cafe, coffee shop, and... You know, we said we wanted our motto to be that we're going to be the living room for Alton. And it, it kind of became that. It was really fun to just see people come in and have a daytime space to connect with people. And, and all of a sudden, you know, we're, we're not able to have people in our own space. And, um, man, it felt like a, a lot of loss in that regard. And so a lot of social loss, a lot of just connecting loss. Uh, even when we think about our children, those of you that uh, have little ones or kids in school, um, even seems quite a bit more difficult for them. Um, my, one of my son-in-laws teaches, in a, he's a math teacher in middle school, and we have one other teacher in, our, in a kind of our little church community, and they talk a lot about, uh, there's one story this last week of a young kid that uh, was like a 3.5 student, um, pretty broken home, and then just during this sort of video school thing, he just uh, t- completely spiraled. And is, you know, just really not on the map anymore. And it's happening to th- hundreds of thousands of our children. The social interaction is so important for them. And so incredible loss there. Obviously, there's the financial loss. Um, again, in our business, we were doing really well because there wasn't a lot going on. We became sort of the premier event space where people would do weddings. We had a wedding uh, every weekend from March all the way to December. And uh, when COVID hit, we not only were we not able to do the events, but a lot of people had written us large checks for their event. And so there was a couple months where every day it felt like I was losing money, literally writing checks back to people. Uh, One month we wrote, you know, about $20,000 back. 
And when you're a small business, um, you know, you're waking up in the morning not looking for any wins. It's just literally loss after loss. And then we lost employees, people that we love a lot. I know many of you that have run businesses, uh, when you think about the loss of your business, the consistent thing I've heard is that, man, we just, we miss our people. It's really not even about the money. It's just that we lose those people and they lose their jobs. The entire service industry in America, you think about all the people Generally, the simple people that just love to create good food and beverages and create space for people, venues like this place for music and whatever, um, it's, it's a very deep, deep loss, and I think we all recognize that now. We, we thought it would come back to us quickly, but it didn't. And, you know, now, like, on the weekends, we're like, okay, Taco Bell or, you know, what are we doing? So it's a, it's a loss, right? <laughs> you just can't even get a good cup of soup anymore. So... We have that. We have the financial loss, obviously. We have the spiritual loss. Um, March 15, check this out, March 15, nobody ever thought it would happen. Every church in America stopped meeting. Um, And again, if you're like me, some of us don't like church. We don't like going to the church services. We're not into it. But then when it's not there anymore, you go, oh, I kind of miss being with those people and having that kind of spiritual fellowship together and... uh, you know, I know it's nice. Many of you are like, no, I like being in my jammies right now and just sitting in here. I know, but uh, my guess is if we were to fully open up and you knew it was safe, you'd probably get back in the car just because there was something to that. There's something about when God's people get together. And so a lot of spiritual loss, a lot of, a lot of pastors all over the world uh, not going to have a church to return to. Uh, we think about 40% of the existing churches in America will probably not reopen after this. And so it's just a lot of folks that have loved the Lord, have served, and they're going to be shaking hands at Walmart for minimum wage. And that's, I mean, that's the reality of the loss of this. And then clearly we have the political losses that we are now right in the middle of. We may have another big loss even tomorrow, uh, Wednesday. Um, There might be some more significant losses going on this week. But uh, in that we've lost, in many ways, we've lost our sense of trust. Um, even with the media or with politicians, uh, we've lost our sense of hope in a lot of ways. Uh, many of us have lost friends uh, because we, on that one day, we couldn't take it anymore. We typed a little Facebook message, and all of a sudden we got outed or canceled by some people that maybe we thought loved us. And, and so it's, that's a big deal when you have friends that literally say, not, not anymore. Um, and in, I guess in a very real way, um, we can say that we've lost our minds, right? So a lot of loss. What happens when you have a lot of loss like that and, you know, is you just start to, um, you fold up. You may not put a sign that says, I quit, I'm stopping, uh, but you do. You start to slow down and you just go, it's almost like somebody breaking a, a, a billiard table. All the balls are rolling around and you just go, look, until they settle down, I'm not going to make a move. And so loss has that effect on us, especially if you lose uh, people. And so, you know, at this point of the COVID story, many of us early on, we didn't know anybody that died from the thing. And then now all of a sudden, most of us have people or friends that, so we've literally lost people. Um, during COVID, just about six months ago, we lost our son Ryan during this whole thing. And those of you that, um, you know, maybe have heard me over the years, we, we talk a lot about our son because he sort of is the patriarch of our story, our story of moving to Denver, Colorado, and then to Alton, everything was based around his, uh, 
epilepsy condition, and um, we always thought he would not live a long time. Doctors early on, you know, were basically going, he probably will not make it past 10, and you know, all of a sudden he was in his mid-20s, and we found this assisted living center for him in this little town just north of St. Louis. So we moved out there, um, you know, still amazed that he was hanging in there. And then uh, at the age of 33, just this last year, uh, he fell, hit his head, and had kind of a brain bleed. And we're not, we were just not able to bring him back from that. And, you know, after he passed, um, noticed that my wife, who normally is as tough as dirt, um, it was hard to get her out of the mud, and as she began to process what that loss meant for her, she would frame it as like she just felt like she she had lost her calling, that keeping Ryan alive to keep guiding our family was really what she was put on this earth for, and all of a sudden that sense of calling was gone, and, and she really struggled, and, and so you just put all that stuff together. I don't know what's happened in your life. I, I assume that much of the stuff that I mentioned probably has been a part of your story as well. And, uh, and usually what we find psychologically is that a couple emotions hit us. One is called grief. Uh, I read this the other day that grief is like a scream inside of you that nobody else can hear. It's just something you, you grapple with, but it's a very deep emotion and it's hard to move out of grief, right? The second emotion um, that I struggled with more, even more than grief, was what we just call cynicism. And cynicism is when you lose a sense of meaning. And uh, if you put those two together, it's not a pretty picture, and you just, it's hard to move. It's just hard to move. And, uh, and so a lot of people, you know, right now people uh, are buying RVs. That's, that's a way of moving but not moving. We renovated an old prison bus, and that was sort of mentally, I was like, well, I guess if we're, we can't move this thing forward, if the business is going down, uh, we might as well just hang out on a 30-year-old prison bus and tour around. We ended up in a nut farm in Arkansas and just like messing around with pecans. And I just remember thinking like, I guess this is what you do. You just kind of live and then maybe hopefully the story of God coming back is real and we kind of circle the wagons and wait. But we got to move, guys. This, uh, the story of the church is that we are a moving people. We, uh, we might have moments where we do get hit in the face and it slows us down, but um, we are the ones that are supposed to not only keep moving, but actually keep the world moving. And uh, you guys sent me a text like, hey, we need some scripture for this. And I, I was going to send this back. I thought it would be mean, though. But the text for the day and how to move through loss is the entire Bible, the Holy Scriptures. And just think about this. Um, we, yeah, you can Google Scripture on encouraging Bible verses to help you through loss, um, and it'll come up with a couple. We're going to share a few today that have helped me. But every word of Scripture from Old Testament to New Testament was written to a people that had lost everything and were about to lose everything. There's no winning in the times that those words were written. Everybody is losing, and yet from just a little bit after Jesus came back for the last time and then took off and kind of handed the baton to, the, to us, it went from what we think is about 2,000 people to 20 million people in 300 years, and they literally usurped uh, the empire of Rome. And they didn't do it through any political means. They just simply did it because they brought something to the the world that nobody had seen, this thing called love, and they took over. They, but they kept moving. 
the uh, the New Testament word for going is uh, from kind of derives from the word we get the word apostle from, and it literally means to just simply be on mission or to go, and it references specifically that when God's people go, they they make new things, they make new wine, and they come in new wine skins, and they set up little cities on lots of little hills all over the place, and they begin to illuminate and preserve the world. So that's the story of the church, but everything written to it, everything written to it, it was in the understanding that you're struggling, okay? It's not easy for you right now, and so I think we can take heart in that. But I want to give you a couple thoughts, and I will let you know that I'm not going to try to fix all the loss, and I can't psychoanalyze to, to get you moving. I just want to give you a couple things maybe a perspective on what you've lost, uh, maybe some practical ideas of how to move through this, and maybe the most important thing regarding the church and loss. And so just to help us understand loss, if you guys could throw up the scripture out of 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18, it says this, in regards to these times, so we do not lose heart, even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction, maybe that was given as tongue-in-cheek. Maybe they're in the middle of a lot of their friends dying because of their faith, and so they just kind of sarcastically say, for this slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all measure, because we look not at what can be seen, but at what cannot be seen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is not seen as eternal. This is um, gives us a little sense of the power of the movement is that somehow loss has this unique ability far more than when you're winning. Just like when you're struggling, it has the ability to cause you to look uh, to the eternal sense of life, doesn't it, right? Um, the Old Testament scriptures talk about it's better to be in a house of mourning than to be at a wedding. It's just basically, it's not saying it's not funner. You know, it's funner to be a wedding than at a funeral. But there's something very powerful that only loss uh, can do in our lives, and it begins to do a renewal. Like, it renews our spirit in some ways. Uh, when we see a friend that might even die of COVID, it causes you to actually stop on a dime and just go, what is my life? What's the purpose of this? What should I be after? What's really important? And so, um, so there is a sense that, you know, it's everything to the movement. We have to have loss for us. And in a lot of ways, the early um, community, it gave them their credibility. Think about the people that you respect and when you're struggling, the people that you go to. It's oftentimes people that have been through the most. And that suffering and going through loss literally gives us our credibility. It also forges the character of our movement. Um, again, people that haven't suffered or lost things, oftentimes um, it's not that they're uh, less of people, but oftentimes they don't have the level of wisdom that often comes uh, with people that have really gone through it. And then finally, it does tend to catalyze spiritual renewal in people. Um, just yesterday, I met with a young girl that I uh, was part of our cross, or is a part of our CrossFit gym. And she just, uh, she kind of walked by me one day as we were working out. She goes, I, uh, I ordered one of your books. I've been listening to it. And I said, oh, sorry about that. And, uh, and she goes, no, I kind of like it. And as we talked, I said, hey, if you ever want to get together and process, I'd love to. And she's like, oh, I'd love to. And so we, we did that yesterday and asked her a little bit about her spiritual life. And uh, she had a little Catholic stuff, a little Protestant stuff. And she said, I just got judgment on all sides of it. I just couldn't take it. And so 
she did what most of us would do. She tapped out. And I said, so what, what caused you to keep sort of leaning in? Why even order my book? Why process? And uh, I actually said, was there a, something that changed it or made you? She goes, yeah, it was your family. And I said, like, she goes, yeah, just you guys were different or something about you guys. And I think she was probably also reflecting on uh, when our son died, our, our GM was very involved in that. And I, so I think she was referencing just watching our family deal with that. And that's what I mean. Sometimes loss is the only thing that can cut through all the BS and just begin some renewal process in our hearts. And so um, don't despise it, if you will. Uh, James often says, look, consider it pure joy. Like, have a, have a joy in the midst of it because something that you could never produce uh, in your neighborhood or in your family or in the lives or hearts of your friends will happen outside of the sense of loss. Second thing I just want to kind of throw at you, and now that we've been through quite a bit in, in the season with our son's passing, um, out of all the things I would say, look, I think it's the biggest deal is to recognize that we are a community. If you, if you want to define the church, we're a community of suffering and we're supposed to be there for each other. There's a a picture uh, maybe coming up on your screen right now of my wife Cheryl and her friend Shelly. And Shelly um, was the one that found the assisted living center for our son Ryan, but also her daughter Hallie. Hallie and Ryan were kind of besties. Uh, sometimes they said they were boyfriend and girlfriend, and, um, but they, they went out to this assisted living center together. Hallie died about five years ago suddenly, and we actually thought when she died, Ryan would just literally fall over. His heart was so broken, and he, he made it through that. But, uh, you know, Shelly had to go through this, this idea of losing a daughter, especially one with disabilities. And we watched her and prayed for her and tried to be an encouragement. So when Ryan uh, passed, guess who we, what was the first call, obviously, was to Shelly from Cheryl. And this was uh, just a few months ago out on a lake in Minnesota, and we just, we drove the prison bus up there and just hung out with them. And I took this picture. They obviously didn't know, but we were just kind of coming through this tunnel. And I just remember feeling like, okay, something's happening right now. Like this little moment between her and Shelly, just really being together is somehow bringing my wife through this thing. And I just remember it was like, it was pretty critical. And when you consider the idea of how we pull people through suffering, this is what we do. Shelly got Cheryl a little box uh it was called, uh, well, it was a little yellow box, and she called it the box of sunshine. Everything in the box was yellow, all these beautiful little gifts and everything. And uh, so Cheryl the other day got a call from a lady named Jenny. And Jenny, the story you might have known, uh, there was two young 20-somethings here in Austin, Texas, that uh, looked like kind of a murder-suicide, but it was uh, the son of our friend up in Alton, and she began to tell the story of, you know, not knowing what really happened. But, yeah, she lost her son to uh, the shooting and potentially um, maybe even the death of his girlfriend. Have no idea what happened. But, you know, in that moment, she called Cheryl, and then Cheryl simply passed on another box of sunshine uh, to Jenny. It's just kind of the way that we go. We're what we call a cruciform community. We, we carry in our body, the scripture says, the dying of Jesus so that the life of Jesus can be resurrected in our body. Body, it's, it's the story of the church. Right? We just simply pass it on. And um, so maybe that will help. Um, we need each other. We, you literally can't grieve or move through cynicism without a friend. Uh, I just have found that to be true. Now, a little practical. 
Um, I will tell you that if you have experienced a lot of loss, you can't just tell yourself, all right, get moving, okay? Um, there's kind of an ebb and flow of how this actually works. Um, you don't just work your way through it. Case in point, one of the things that I picked up during the COVID season was a habit of taking a, um, a bubble bath every night. And uh, my wife has this cloffet tub. I didn't really frequent the cloffet tub for many, many years, but during COVID, um, it really happened. I was watching the news every night and watching the death count, the COVID death count. And I found that when I just went to bed thinking about all the people dying, it was hard to sleep. So I started watching and listening to comedy at night. And so I would go and I would draw a bath. I would throw, you know, squirt a little uh, bath oils, whatever Cheryl had up in the basket, one of those little bath balls. It kind of makes blue fizzy stuff. And I would seat myself in the bathtub. I'd put a little washcloth over the edge because it's a rounded edge. And I could lay my cell phone there. And then I would listen to the Pete and Sebastian show. It's uh, two Italian comics, and I just laughed my face off. Cheryl would get annoyed because it was so loud. I was disrupting her TV watching. But um, on this one particular bath, it's weird to even say that. Like, is it weird to picture me? I've got my, my thickened yellow toenails hanging off the front of the bathtub, and I'm all, but don't get that picture. Just get the picture of lots of bubbles, okay? So all you see is my face. And I'm listening to Pete and Sebastian. And as I'm listening to them, they don't sound like they normally sound. They're normally laughing and swearing and cracking funny jokes. And it sounds like they're, like, crying. I turned off the water because I was like, it doesn't sound right. And sure enough, both Pete and Sebastian are crying. And I'm listening in, and uh, Pete is talking about how his dad died during Christmas of covid and how, as a comedian, he didn't know what to do. He didn't know whether or not to tell the worldwide audience or whatever. Apparently, Sebastian was an incredible friend to him, and he was, he was weeping as he was telling Sebastian how much he had meant to him. And then they're talking as comics, like, well, like, should we be funny right now, or should we just, like, have a miserable hour, and then we just get on with things? And Sebastian was like, no, I think this is kind of like how we move through it. Is, you know, and, and so they start to share stories of, Pete's dad, and they're laughing, and it's all of a sudden funny, and then all of a sudden, in that emotion, Pete would begin to cry, and then Sebastian would cry, and they'd console each other, and then they'd move on to another joke, and then they would console each other. And I just remember thinking, like, that's actually how you move through uh, grief and loss. Um, you just kind of, every day, you just try to get a little movement. So if you go, Hugh, look, I'm not ready to, like, refire up my little churchy thing I still want most of the other people to do the Jesus stuff. I'm not ready to sign up again for hard lifting or heavy lifting. But your movement, just a little movement every day is what we're after, all right? So as we think about um, maybe our collective story, maybe your personal story, um, I do want you to move. I think the world depends on you moving. At least somebody's world is going to depend on you moving and not being paralyzed in this sense of loss. Um, and as you think about how maybe how God's people have been motivated throughout the years to get going, there, was, uh, there were these cats called the, the Great Cloud of Witnesses. It's recorded in the book of Hebrews. And if you read the story of these folks, it said that they, they didn't have any winds at all. They got torn asunder. They got flame broiled. They, got, they all got killed. It says they weren't able to see any of the fruit of their lives. 
And then all of a sudden it says, in view of these people, live your lives. Like, you know, we're to look at the people that lost the most and go, no, that's how, that's what we're shooting for. And I know many of us in uh, prior to COVID, prior to all this chaos that's going on, we, we try to live what we call an up, upwardly mobile life. We just want it to keep getting a little bit better all the time. And all of a sudden when you start falling back down the ladder, You've got to have perspective for that. And one of those perspectives is that when we cross over from this physical life to the eternal realm, we're going to see people that, that did amazing things, but we're also going to see people that lost everything. And when you go and you hang out, maybe there's a big hall, it looks like maybe this church, and all those great people are in there. You don't want to be walking in there touting all your accomplishments. What you want to be able to go is, I want to show you the scar I got in the back here for doing this thing. And I also, yeah, I got this other little guy right here, kind of lost, uh, lost everything, lost a son right there. And they're going to go, yeah, we understand, like, good job, but you kept going. Like, you kept going. That's the point of Hebrews is um, the whole book basically is under the theme, don't lose your grip, don't slide back. Like, just hang in there because there is going to be something at the end of this. And your most proudest moments will be related to those things that you lost in the name of Jesus, even the things that you tried for Jesus that didn't work, they didn't pan out like you thought they would, uh, but the, the fact that you moved through them and you went through with grace and uh, a sense of God's presence, those will be the ones that you will carry as where you go, no, I am actually am proud that I kept going. Um, and as a movement, as a church, don't forget your apostolicness. ANC, we would joke about the, the name ANC when you were like three years old. You're not new anymore. But you are because a church is never its same group of people, right? God moves you through, and every single new person that you come into contact with, it makes your church new. The church is not a building. It's not a place. It's literally, it's just the people of God. And so ANC, you will always have the apostolic call on you. You will always have this missionary thrusts where God will go, look, I need you to go, okay? And I need you to keep making beautiful, tasty wine for the world. I need you to keep being little cities on hills. I need you guys to be salt and light and just keep it going. Uh, no greater time. Like I think Jesus would say, like right now, guys, it's like easy pickings because the world has lost so much. So just you got to keep moving into that. There's a uh, scripture I'll have you read right now out of Second Corinthians 4.10. It says this, that we're always carrying in the body the death of Jesus so that the life of Jesus may also be visible in our bodies. Cruciform spirituality is that we don't go up, we go down. And we go down because Jesus went down with us. Said so he actually went to hell and then came back out and he, and he lifts us up. But he invites us to take our cross. That's what it means to be a cruciform Christian. We, we take up our cross. We die with him. And then he raises us up. There's a picture I'll leave you with, um, and it's my granddaughter, Mila, and Mila um, is probably about two, a little bit over two in this picture, but when Ryan was about to head to be with the Lord, we brought him back into our house, and we set up this chair. He couldn't sleep in a bed, so we set up this big, fluffy kind of recliner chair, and he just stayed there as uh, we kind of watched him fade, aw fade away. And um, maybe the coolest part of this whole story for me just watching it was that it wasn't talked about. We didn't plan this, but 
when we knew that he was dying, everybody in our family, including the grandkids, just took turns holding Ryan's hand. Uh, my wife would hold his hand all night long, and I would wake up the next day and then take over, and I, you know, she's asleep holding his hand. Um, well, my wife and my daughters, they all got little tattoos that just says Rybag, right? Ryan means little king. And uh, there's something about how his life, it forged our family, all of his losses, and there were hundreds of thousands of seizures. Every one of them was a loss, and we felt it. But he guided our family, uh, and he guided us into the lives of other people. He literally was the, the center of our world. And the scriptures say this, Blessed is any, anyone, and so it's assumed that not everybody will voluntarily choose us. So blessed is anyone who endures and perseveres under trial. Your translation, I think, says that endures temptation. It's not the temptation to sin sexually or whatever we might view. It was the temptation to stop, the temptation to quit. Let other people do the Jesus stuff. Let other people do the hard lifting. Let other people engage the world. He's basically going, if anybody will just persevere under trial and hardship, such a one has stood the test and will receive the crown of life that the Lord has promised to those who love him. My wife and daughters have little crowns on their wrists to reflect Ryan's life. And I don't know um, if we can get that into our heart right now, but there is something that's going to be very beautiful about how we have just kept moving. Uh, because Christ bought our lives, and we're okay to die. It's... Uh, he died, we're going to die with him, and then he was raised, and then we get raised with him. And we get this crown of life. I don't know if it's like a Burger King crown, I just, I just, but I know it will be a really big deal that we kept moving. So ANC, um, people around here need you to keep moving, okay? Uh, and if you go, I just don't know how to keep moving, you call a friend because you're a community of suffering. Just got to call the the family together, and just keep going. So, God, we're grateful, um, grateful for the entire Bible and how it speaks to a suffering people. We do take a moment, and we do all join our hearts, and we pray over our country this week. And we ask that you would uh, stem the tide of loss this week by our collective prayers. God, would you bring love uh, into every one of these scenarios with all the anger and vitriol and venom, God, would you bring your peace? Would you allow us and draw us into those places where we can be peacemakers, where we can help people out of the tunnel and into the light again? God, we're grateful that you've done this for us. And uh, so, God, we just thank you for the peace that you bring us right now. In Jesus' name, amen.